The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. I love mixing it up by betting against the spread, taking the over on Giannis's points every chance I get, and more exclusive bets like the two by three, two threes scored in the first three minutes. Plus FanDuel even lets you combine bets like those for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash blue wire. That's fanduel.com slash blue wire to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Virginia. You know, I feel like the things that I procrastinate most on are the things that I actually care the most about. And so I don't know if it's because I have a fear of not failure, but a fear of success. You know, once I reach the, the, the pinnacle of actually achieving what I set out to do, then it's like, oh shit, now what? And like, am I going to be able to hold on to that success? What's up? And welcome to the very best self podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast, you guys. Today, I have Brianna Borton on the pod. And this episode, I... I'm telling you, it spoke to my soul. Like I just felt a really, really deep connection to this conversation. And I think that when you get to the end of the episode, I think you're going to know exactly what I mean and exactly what I'm talking about. Um, So Brianna is spiritual mentor rather, and she helps guide people to become connected to their spiritual roots, which she believes can lead them down a path of happiness, health, and wealth. Uh, And she helps people tap into the universe uh, and get the vision of where we are and how we are in this interconnected web that ties us all together. So she wants to help people find their place in the web of the universe. So I think that's just, maybe it sounds, you know, as I always say, woo woo or, you know, corny or cheesy or what have you. Um, but I implore you to give this episode a full wholehearted listen because it's true. There's so much that's working working behind the scenes all of the time to guide us to things that feel right, to things that feel good, to a happier version of ourselves. But do we often open ourselves up to allowing that? Do we listen to that that voice, that inner voice, that inner guidance? Or do we you know, go down new paths, uh, when they're presented to us, you know, do we resist these things or do we trust these things as they come along? So, you know, the word intuition was created for a reason. There's that feeling that you get that gut feeling. And so, you know, Brianna seems like she's really, really talented and, and help 
helping people to, to recognize that gut feeling and to not resist it and to, to follow these paths when they are presented to us. So I think you're going to like this episode, especially if you've been thinking about going down a certain path or trying something new or creating change in your life, or, you know, if there's something that's ever happened to you in the past where you've never really truly been able to wrap your mind around why it happened and you want some closure and healing around this thing that happened in the past, uh, I think this episode is going to also provide you with that. So uh, let's get into it. Here we go. Welcome back to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am really, really, really honored and excited to have Brianna Borton on today. You guys, she is a spiritual mentor and we are going to get all the way into what exactly that means. Um, And she helps people guide them to become connected with their spiritual roots. So I want to say thank you so much for being on today, Brianna. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Okay. So I'm a big universe gal, I guess that's what I would call myself. I am. I'm a universe gal. I I feel, and I've always felt, I think all the way, or I know throughout my life that in some way or another, everything is connected and that we don't end up where we are on accident, that things that there really aren't accidents, that everything is kind of interwebbed or connected and one thing leads to another so that we can end up here or there or wherever it is that we end up. And, and I, I've always felt like maybe that was some kind of Maybe it was just something I believed in because it was comf- it was comforting to believe in that. Um, but you're certainly from a very young age. I've always believed that there's just a, a higher power and an interworking of energies um, that's out there. And so you specialize in helping people become connected to the universe. So can you talk to us about exactly what that means and exactly what you do? Yeah. So I do both like spiritual mentorship and energy work. And I work in both of those ways to help people actually start to kind of both listen internally, start to connect to their intuition and also connect to, you know, either their guides or the universe, kind of however people describe that. And I don't really think of them as being all that different, actually. It's kind of like we can go in all the way until we're out, or we can go out all the way until we're in because it's all this looping of energy. And so I work with people a lot on like the philosophical ways of approaching this. Like, how do you get in, right? And how do you actually have the practices in your life that get you to connect in. And then I also do a lot of energy work with people to just clear the way, because a lot of times people have blocks or challenges in being able to access their intuition or to be able to feel really free or to be able to feel like they're connected with the universe and even enough to be able to listen and understand. Cause I think, you know, like you said, like we are brought to where we are on purpose, like everything is happening for us. Like there is so much interweaving already happening on our behalf, but if we aren't able to even notice or pay attention, it can feel like we're just kind of stumbling through life. which I feel like is the case for lots of people. It just feels like, oh, this is all just like happening to me rather than feeling like there's some divine play at hand. Yeah. And I, I love that because I feel, I mean, I've always tried to, to have that school of thought, right. When something happens that I don't anticipate or wasn't a part of my personal plan, you know, that I created for myself or, you know, awful things happen. Like you get fired from your job or, you know, crazy things like that. It's like these moments when we get knocked down, you know, realizing that, okay, maybe it's possible that it is 
happening for me instead of happening to me. And shifting our perspective in that way really, really helps in the moment when we have those like, you know, bathroom floor moments when you're just totally crushed and you're like, which way is up and uh, which way is down? And I'm upset and I'm sad or I'm scared or all of these feelings and emotions that come to the surface when, you know, life doesn't go according to our personal master plan, whatever that is, because life happens on life's terms. Right. And, and the thing is, I feel like It's comforting to know that because you think about every other moment in your life when things didn't go the way that they were, you know, you wanted them to, but I'm talking about the ones that happened in the past. And most of the time, I feel like 99.9% of the time you can look back and be like, oh, that actually happened so that I could end up in this other place that feels more, you know, in tune with who I am. And I feel like in the 1% of time when we look back and we don't see that yet, it's because the puzzle pieces haven't quite formed and and eventually you'll get there, but you're probably just not there yet. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that quote. I can't even remember who said it, who said, um, everything works out in the end. And if it hasn't worked out yet, it's just not the end. It's like, we don't necessarily know yet. If we can, if we haven't gotten the lesson or if we haven't figured it out, it's like, that's, you're in the middle. We're still in the middle. We're doing the thing. And I think that also there can be this idea that, you know, everything, you know, when people talk about like, everything's happening for me, it's almost like there's one idea of approaching that, like, well, that's just a fact and it will just be. And then there's another way of being like, how do you make that so, right? When you hold that philosophy, I feel like things really change in your life because you've chosen it. And so I think it's even more impactful when we decide that for ourselves. And when we decide I'm going to make this be for me, regardless of what is actually happening in the circumstances I've decided that that's how I live my life. And when we decide that that's the way we are going to live our lives, everything starts to, you know, it, like it puts the responsibility on us, which is where I like responsibility to be because I have so much more influence in my own sphere. But then also we're able to like decipher which direction to go in that moment. I feel like it's a real guiding light for us when we approach life in that way. Yeah. Um, a mantra that I say to myself often in regards to when I feel lost or, or don't understand why things are happening the way that they are is all will be revealed. And I just kind of repeat that to myself, like all will be revealed, all will be revealed. Like when I'm supposed to know why this is happening, I will. And just putting a lot of trust and a lot of faith that eventually like the answers will come. Yeah. And they do, right? They do, especially if we're paying attention and don't numb out or check out or, you know, stop participating in our lives. Right. So earlier you mentioned uh, that sometimes we're just kind of going through life, uh, bopping around from thing to thing, and we're actually blocked. How do you know if you're someone who is experiencing a spiritual blockage, if you will? What does that feel like and how do we break through it? Oh my gosh, there's so many different, what I would call like symptoms to it. But I would say, you know, a lot of it can happen from like looking from like procrastination to self-sabotage to, you know, feeling like you're putting so much effort into something and it's not catching, you know, you're like, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working at this, but there's no 
momentum happening behind it. Or, you know, a lot of times when I am working with people, it's like a lot of things in their relationships, their communications, their ability to sustain and create genuine and, and loving relationships. Um, there are just so many, like so many other things, like the things that go wrong in our lives are often energetic. And this doesn't mean that they're not also tangible, right? You'd be like, well, my energetic problems are, are sound like just all my regular problems. I'm like, yep, that's right. That's, that's how that works, right? There's an energetic influence on all things tangible. And so if we're able to clear on an energetic level and then hold that energy until it becomes into the tangible level, we're really able to shift so much. And, and I love working on the energetic level because it feels well, for me, it's like the easiest level to work on. And then we just do all of like the mindset work so that people don't erase it in a way. That makes sense. So are we only able to clear ourselves energetically if we work with someone like you, or is that something that we can do kind of clearing our energies or spiritual pathways? Um, is that something that we can figure out on our own by ourselves? Oh yeah. No, I think everyone can do it for themselves. I feel like it would be a weird system if we always had to rely on someone else. That doesn't seem ideal. Um, I think that yes, you can definitely do it yourself. And I, you know, lead lots of people into how to do this by yourself, right? Like most of my programs and things are teach are doing energy work and also teaching people how to clear it themselves at the same time so that people are actually really capable of doing this on their own. And I also feel like even for myself, I love getting energy work from other people that I trust because they're able to approach at a different place and hold attention in a way that when we're in our own stuff, we can get really distracted and we have all of our thoughts and all the things. But when we're somebody else, it's like when two come together, like the parts are greater than the, the sum is greater than the parts, right? We're able to actually hold a bigger level of opening when we're just with another person. And so I do think we can do it ourselves. I also think it's highly effective to be with another person in this work. So when you say energy work, do you mean like Reiki? I love this question. I feel like this is exactly, I hear that question. I can't even tell you how many times a week, <laughs> Okay, um, which I love that Reiki has done such a good job. It's like so well marketed that everybody knows what Reiki is. Um, I am, I am trained in Reiki. I became a Reiki master when I was like in my early twenties. It's kind of the first thing that I think, you know, just like most people, I'm like, I want to do energy work. This is the thing. Right. Um, but the work I do now actually is not, um, it doesn't, it's not really related to Reiki at all. Very, very rarely I'll use Reiki when it feels appropriate, but um, I have like a lot of training in many different energy work backgrounds grounds from like Qigong um, healing to Reiki to a lot of Taoist um, energy healing. So that's like the majority of where I came from. And then actually a lot of it has just been through um, self-revelation, like actually experiencing what happens and how it works and receiving, I've received two entire energy work systems kind of just like through download. So just through doing breath work and opening myself up, they both just came. I didn't actually even ask. And so that's actually the majority of what I lean on. Um, but I, you know, 
you, once you like, it's kind of like knowing a bunch of dances. It's like, yeah. Then when you're like free forming dancing, you do like a little of this and a little of that. And it works with what is actually happening with the music at the time. I love that. I, and this is so random, but it's what popped in my head. I feel like, is it, it's also sort of like, if you were to make a bowl of chili, <laughs> like there's a million different ways to make chili. You can make chili without beans. You can make chili with beans. You can make chili like dairy free, or you can make it not dairy. Like you, there's 10 million ways to make chili. Like it feels like, you know, vegan, not vegan, whatever. Um, so it seems like it's like sort of like that. There's a million different ways to kind of, um, access and heal our energy systems. And so it's really kind of different for each person. What, what works. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are, yeah, there's a lot of different approaches that you can take. And as you, or when I'm working with a client, I can start to feel like, oh, you know, their energy would work best with this approach. You know, some people need things to feel so much softer. And a lot of people, especially in the beginning, are just so blocked to receiving. So it's like the majority of what we do in the first time is just like opening them up to receive. Like, can you actually be willing? Can you actually be open? And it's a hard thing for people to do because it's not something that we practice. It's not something we learn in school. So, you know, a lot of it is how open people are to to energy work really navigates what we do. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense how open we are. Um, cause it can be scary for some people or uncharted territory for some people, but I also find it interesting, you know, cause I like, I tend to think of myself as someone who's spiritually connected and, um, all of these things, but it's so funny because you mentioned this was a, a few moments ago, but you mentioned, you know, there's all different types of, of like symptomatic symptoms of someone who is blocked. And you mentioned the word procrastination and I'm like, hi, hello. Are you speaking to literally speaking to me? Cause I, I do, I procrastinate and the things while I just have you on the call, because I feel like, you know, why not ask you about this? But, you know, I feel like the things that I procrastinate most on are the things that I actually care the most about. And so I don't know if it's because I have a fear of not failure, but a fear of success. You know, once I reach the, the, the pinnacle of actually achieving what I set out to do, then it's like, oh shit, now what? And like, am I going to be able to hold on to that success or, you know, am I actually, you know, the imposter syndrome kicks in and all these other different emotions of, you know, I'll just be, you know, really specific. I'm creating a journal right now. So I want to bring the journal to market, sell the journal. And there's just, when I tell, like, it's just so much that goes on, on the back end. And I'm also simultaneously trying to write a book. Now, why is it that those two things that I care about the most are the last things that I ever want to work out throughout, work on throughout my day? Like, I don't know. Like, it feels like maybe there's an energy block for me there because it's hard for me to find that flow state um, to work on these two things that I care so much about. And I'll find a million trillion other things to do that don't matter as much to me that get in the way. Yeah. Well, I, I'm curious, do you love working on them? I do. I do. I do. Mike, especially I would say my journal, like it's a process that I do every day and I care so deeply about. And like, I want to share with people around me because it works for me and it helps me. Um, so that specifically, and like, you know, I have this vision of it, you know, being 
for sale everywhere and, and really being the next thing for me, you know, in terms of, you know, I'm a soul cycle instructor and I love that job and it's amazing. And I get to help people in that way. And I love it for that reason, but I don't want to do it 10 times a week. And I've been working there for 10 years. So do I want to quit soul cycle? No, the answer is no, I don't. Um, I don't envision that for my near future. Um, but do I want to do it almost like less than half of the amount of times that I do it per week? Yes. And what I like to like is my ultimate goal to transition into, you know, selling this journal and then also other, you know, office supplies or things that can inspire people in their daily lives. Like that's the ultimate vision for me. Uh, but it's just slow going. So my intuition and I could be wrong, but like what I feel is like, because you love it so much, you're not allowing yourself to do it because it's actually so pleasurable and you're kind of used to working hard. It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm willing to work hard. Like, you know, if you're teaching 10 cell cycle (laughs) sessions a week, I'm like, that's a lot, right. That you are used to working hard and like even putting in effort that feels like exercise, right. It's like a little bit painful, but it also feels good. But because there's like a little bit of pain involved, it's almost like there's an association of like, this is okay because it hurts a little. And I'm curious, like, I would be curious and you don't have to answer this because I know we're in front of a bunch of people, but you know, <laughs> like, what was your, like, what did your parents say about working hard? How were they about their work? Did they love it? Did, was it encouraged to really love and experience joy in working or was it encouraged to be like a very hard worker? And that that was the most important thing. And so, because I know because of myself, sometimes the things I love so much to do, I feel a little guilty when I'm doing them. So I'm like, oh, this yeah. is actually lovely to be doing. Is this actually work? Wait, is this okay? And then I'm like, oh, I should probably do something that's a little less fun actually. And so I'll procrastinate doing something that I need to do. That's important to me that I love doing. And it's so weird. Why would anyone do that? And it's like, well, it's all of our wiring, right? And so those that is energetic wiring that we then can have in us that actually perpetuates us to seek things that are actually less enjoyable for us as a way of proving our worth mm-hmm. rather than allowing ourselves to go towards our pleasure and the thing we love. So that would be my I think guess. I like that. And I think it unlocked something else for me just now, just hearing you say that, which is, I think it's possible that I just don't associate the two things in the same way. Like I don't, I, I, you're right. I do. I enjoy hard work. I really do. I enjoy that. But I think the journal and writing, I love to write. It's, I love it. It feels good for me, but turning, writing a book and turning the journal into hard work. I think that's actually the thing that I don't want to do. I want to, it's, it's, and that's why it's hard because these things like writing and the journal, they're fun for me and they're activities that I do for me. So then to, to turn that into something different and, you know, label it as a business instead, and then become something that not I get to do, but something I have to do, um, because I have timelines and deadlines and I'm trying to get it out to the world. I think that might be where I'm struggling because it's yeah. fun for me and I don't want to make it work because soul cycle is work. And this is supposed to be my fun. Yeah. But I think if you're going to have it be fun, then you still have to be willing to do it while it's fun and not have to make it hard work in order to do it because that will be the tricky piece, right? If it's like, well, I have to turn it into hard work in, in order to get myself to actually do it, right. I will make it into hard work. But if you can be like, I'm willing to give myself joy and fun and pleasure 
and I'm actually going to set aside the time and allow this to be fun, then I think that you won't ever turn it into that because you'll be willing to actually do the work while it's still enjoyable. Not when you're like really late on your due dates and then it becomes hard work and not fun. Right. Right. I think, you know, the last point I'll say on it as I'm working through my energy work with you right now (laughs) for all to hear, um, is that I think the journal feels easier for me and more light and fun and airy as opposed to writing the book because the book feels like I sharing your writing with the world is really super scary. I feel totally exposed. I don't know, you know, it's like, why do I care? You know, but you know, for someone to be like, Oh, she doesn't write well, or I hate this or I'm bored or, you know, I couldn't stand it. Like, I don't know why I care about that. First of all, there's nothing even out in the world for people to read. You haven't even got to that place for anybody to even hate on it. So what are you worried about is what I should be saying to myself. But I think that's really what it is. I get, you know, nervous for what, what are people going to say and what are people going to think, you know, just so silly. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's, we all have our egos wrapped up in so many identities of like, you know, especially if we've been really successful at what we've done in other areas. And then we go to go do something new. It's like, we're, we're really allowing ourselves to be open to being new again. Right. I'm like, with this. I haven't done this before. And now I'm open to critique. And if we have a lot of identity associated with like being praised and being seen in a certain way, then we won't even try because we don't ever want anyone to see that. Like, maybe we actually aren't that good at that yet. Right. But there's when we can open up and just say, yeah, if somebody was like, you're a whole writer that you'd be like, yeah, well, at least I tried. Right. Like it's okay. Yeah. You have tried and not be amazing the first time you try it something. And I think that we really need to normalize that because we see people just at, we often see people at their pinnacle, right? And then we compare ourselves to like the pinnacle of writing when this is like the first book we're writing, right? So it's like, well, I'm not there yet. It's okay. And I will improve just as we all do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thank you for that. (laughs) The guidance. Um, So what led you to this path? Have you always been a spiritual being or, or do you think that, or, you know, what led you to guiding others to connecting to their guides and uh, just, you know, being more connected to the universe? Well, it's interesting because I started, I mean, I remember when I was really little spending like so much time trying to rip off my face. Cause I was like, this is, this is not, this cannot be me. Like, this feels like a weird suit that I'm wearing. And my mom was like, I am worried about you. <laughs> Uh, but I really did just feel like I, I didn't feel like this was it. I was like, this doesn't make sense like this. And so that was when I was like four or five. And so I feel like I've always kind of been on the path of trying to understand. And then, um, I got a really awesome stepmom when I was 12 and she was really into reading spiritual books. So then they started being around my house. And I lived with my dad and my stepmom and she gave me my first spiritual book, which was the Tao of Pooh. And I read it and I was like, oh yes, this is the direction for me. Like there are, there are people who are also asking these questions. There are people who care about this. And it felt so intriguing to me. So I feel like in high school, I was very much on the like quest via psychedelics and trying to understand the universe through that lens. And then when I turned 18, I went, I left for college I broke my neck in a car accident. I came back to live with my parent, well, live with my dad again. 
with my neck broken. And at that point really was when I realized that we're really just not guaranteed any time at all. Right. I was like 18 years old, my whole life ahead of me and everything, it stopped. I was like, Oh, this isn't guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for me or anyone else. And I really want to live my life in a way that expresses what I, what my biggest desire is for myself and for the world. And that really shaped me so much. I also had my first energy work during that time because I, my neck was in so much pain and no one could touch me and I couldn't take any pain medication. So I had energy work done at three sessions. It totally made my pain completely go away. And I realized this is really what is for me. Like, I know that this path of healing and spirituality and energy work is where I want to go. And so I actually decided that first I must go to Europe because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Realized that was something I really wanted to do. So I moved to Europe, like went all around and eventually came back went to school for massage and opened my spa when I was 23. And I just knew like, I was so clear for me that I didn't think that that was everything. And it certainly hasn't been, you know, like my whole life, but I knew that if I stayed on the path of healing and spirituality and opening people and awakening people that I would just always be guided. And they really have been, which I feel really very grateful for. Wow. That is an incredible story. Would you, would you say looking back, you know, as I was mentioning before these, these moments that, you know, really rock us to our core, would you say in hindsight, like it was the universe at play that caused the accident that sent you back home, that put you in the space of energy healing and that, you know, sent you on this path. Yeah. I think about that all the time. I think that I'm, I was going to go, I was going to art school, which I still really love art, but I I was actually not as talented as I maybe could, should have been to go to art school. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Maybe I would have gotten there. Um, but I was so excited about that path and it felt like the universe just picked me up and was like, "Mm, Nope, here, this is actually where you're supposed to be going. And the more I listen to that, I can now I have a sense of what that feels like when the universe is trying to nudge me a certain way. It's now so clear that I follow it without having to have my neck broken, which I'm very grateful for. (laughs) I've gotten wise a little bit. I crack up. That's, that's hilarious. Um, To relate to that, you know, I I don't think I've ever quite been able to put it into words um, because it was kind of not similar. It was not similar at all. I did not get into a horrible car accident and have my neck broken. <laughs> Let me just preface with that. But I was, you know, I graduated college and I, I I tell this story often, but I was to me going down a path of what I thought I was supposed to do versus which I think a lot of human beings do. They just go, they do what they think they're supposed to do. So I was in like a marketing internship and I didn't give a shit about marketing or know anything about marketing. I don't know. And then I was also simultaneously wanting to be a host on E! News, um, which also I have never cared what celebrities are doing with their lives. So would I have actually been happy doing that job? Like, absolutely not. But it was like what I thought about every day before I even wanted to brush my teeth. So strange. Um, but at the time, you know, I was living in LA and my, this is like the weirdest, I don't know. So my childhood best friend from Maryland is married to the sister 
of one of the founding instructors of SoulCycle. Very, very weird thing. So this is the smallest, strangest connection of people. Um, so anyways, this girl who was a founder of SoulCycle was a friend by proxy of mine due to my best friend's husband. And so she moves out to LA because she's opening up the very first ever soul cycle. And she reaches out to me and she's like, Hey, do you want a job at the front desk? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. And, uh, she's like, well, it's going to be really fun. And like, you know, and I was like, well, I don't really need a job. I already have two of those. Like, I don't need a third job. I'm like, you know, early, early twenties, just moved out to LA trying to freaking survive out there working at a restaurant. And then I think I was like very briefly, briefly, briefly a shot girl, um, which did not last long. Cause I cannot stay up late. I digress. <laughs> um, it's just not in my DNA. Um, so, uh, she's like, well, I just think you really love it. Like, I think you should try it like whatever. And I was like, well, no, but like, okay, fine. So I go to the interview and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't want this job. And then I get the job and I show up on the first day and I'm wearing the yellow tank top. And I think to myself, I don't know why I'm here. I don't want, I don't need this job. So I end up working there for like two years on the front desk. I make incredible like girlfriends, guy for, I make incredible friends on, on the front desk, which are still my friends to this day, which is freaking amazing. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're like, all, the training to be an instructor was always in uh, New York city. And they're like, we're going to do a shortened three week program in LA. That's it. Three weeks to become an instructor. And I was like, well, you know what? I could still go on my auditions. That would be great. I would probably make more money and I'd still have a really incredibly flexible schedule. So the day of the audition, you know, I was just like, well, whatever, I'm just going to hop in there and see what happens. Didn't care about it. Didn't care one way or the other, whether I got it or I didn't get it. And then so I, I mean, I think you get how the story goes is that I did end up getting the job. And then I, I stepped foot into that role the first week of training. The second I mic'd up, I was like, oh shit, nothing in my life has ever felt more right. And so it's just, you know, Kim ha had to have moved to LA randomly at the time, like she was opening the, it was just all these things I can look back at now that had to have happened in a exact time and unfolded in the way that they did. And the fact that I even had a connection to Kim in any way, I had never even taken a soul cycle class. I didn't like, I knew Kim worked there. I knew it was like a cult following and I knew people were obsessed with it, but I didn't give a shit. I didn't care. Like, I love so, it. Divine intervention of the universe coming in hot and just and so I never know how to explain that to people. I never know how to explain. I think I always describe it in follow the things that, that light you up, but I don't know that it lit me up. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how I ended up there, but I always want to, I guess that's what you do for a living is you, you try to teach that, but I, I don't know how to, to teach it, how to say that out loud other than do what feels right. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a flow, right. Of the universe. And there's like, don't resist. I think is, I think sometimes people are like, but you, you didn't even say, you didn't even think that let you up. Wait, so do I follow things like that can be so confusing, but I think that actually, if we hold it a little bit more, like don't resist life. If you're just not in resistance to what is being brought to you, you will flow where you need to go. There's a river of life and you're just in it until you grab onto the rocks or try to grab onto those sides or try to get yourself out of the river. It's like when you, when you think that you must, that it must be a certain way, right? If you said, no, I am, I'm not going to try off that because I must be doing this other thing that I'm holding on to so tightly, even though the whole universe is like, this is a path for you. And if we ignore those, uh, those signs, then we usually miss 
a path that is open for us. But the cool thing is, is that the river is always flowing. So there's always going to be a new path. So when I think that sometimes people can hear stories like this and be like, oh, I missed a lot of things. Oh no. And you want to say, no, you, it's fine. You are where you are right now. Just let go and stop being in resistance to life now. And there's still more paths opening up for you. There's still so many opportunities. The universe is ever supplying and it's not punishing. So if we have at any point, you know, resisted or not listened, the universe isn't like mad. I think that we, a lot of people come from religious backgrounds where there's like a punishing God. And so they can think like, well, the universe will punish me then if I didn't listen. I think that's just not the way the universe is of love and of Mm -hmm. like great kindness. And so there isn't really that aspect. And so at any point that we want to get into the flow of our lives, all we have to do is stop resisting. Wow. Okay. That that's, that's how, yeah, that's the way to describe it right there. (laughs) I love that. Um, a couple more questions for you, but, um, man, what was I going to say? Cause it was on the tip of my tongue as you were saying that not resisting. Um, I don't know. I really, 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 um, I think I just connect with that deeply. Mm-hmm. not resisting. It's just a matter of allowing and not needing all of the answers all the time. Cause human, as human beings, I think we are just naturally designed to be meaning makers. We are meaning making machines and we want to know why everything happens the way that it does and why it works this way and what's coming next and what's around the corner and where are we going? And, you know, like we just have conditioned ourselves to believe that we need to have all of these answers when really like there just needs to be a little bit more trust and allowing that you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. And we don't need all of the answers more. So I think we just need to, we need to ask ourselves the right questions. You know, what do I want? What do I care about? And, and then just allow. Yeah. I think. Yeah. There's this thing that I, is probably one of the main tenets of the work that I teach in programs and in groups that I lead is this idea of how do we engage and surrender at the same time, right? So that there's this surrendering and trusting and allowing the life to happen, the universe to work with us. And then there's an engagement. Like I do still move forward. I listen and I do, and I can, but it's the both, right? It's the balance of engagement and surrender and allowing ourselves to be in the mystery while also being in our human right? Can I be in the mystery and be in my human existence at the same time? Yeah. I like that engaged and also surrendering at the same time. We can do both. I love that. Um, okay. So, um, you talk about taking your seat in the universe. So can you talk about that and how does one, how does one do that? Yes, this is, I, so I run a group called Love Rising and this is really what this group is about is helping people get into their seat in the universe. But when I see the kind of web of humans, it looks to me very much like a web and we each have a place in the web and a very important way of contributing in that weaving right? And that if we're willing to actually not get distracted by all the other beautiful seats, but actually find ours and allow ourselves to engage in our own life and in our own being, that this is the one for you. It's really about coming home to yourself in the most awesome of ways, really. It's like, can you find yourself 
right where you are and claim it. And when we claim our seat, I think that a lot of times when I lead people through this, they see themselves doing it for a long time. Like I can see myself claiming, almost like you're watching yourself in a movie, like claiming your seat in the web of the universe and contributing in that way. But when people can actually feel just like you just see from first person point of view and get into their seat and really feel it, that's when everything changes because we are designed to be conduits for the universe to flow through in a very unique way. So we're each, you know, uniquely have our own unique constellation to bring into the world. And there are other people sure that may be kind of similar, but they are different, right? We each bring our own flavor. And I think that our comparison and our competition and looking to see what other people are doing really distracts us from taking our own seat in the universe and bringing our own magic. And when we can start to do that, we actually inspire everyone else to do it this too, because people are like, oh, you are really in yourself, right? And then there's permission. Oh, I could really be in myself. It doesn't always go that way. Sometimes it goes like, oh, I want to be in yourself too. (laughs) And then we have to recognize that that's actually not the way it works because you'll never have that same feeling of being fully lit up by living somebody else's life or somebody else's dream or through somebody else's magic or somebody else's anything. Really, we have everything that we need when we can actually find our way home to ourselves. Wow. So do you suggest meditation for to finding your way home to yourself? Is that the best way to go about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of spiritual practices that we can do that kind of open up the way, but I think there is no substitute for meditation. I think that, you know, no matter what we do, I mean, I think it's really important to move your body, which I'm sure you agree with. And partly it's so that we release a lot of the tension and the noise that happens through exercise. And then we're able to really then come into stillness and meditation. So there are a lot of things that benefit meditation, but I don't think there's any substitution. Yeah. I mean, I just started a new thing at soul cycle I do on Mondays, which is soul and meditate. So I do a 60 minute or sorry, the 45 minute soul cycle class, just like a normal class. And then those who want to stay, find a place around the room. And I lead a 10 minute meditation post uh, you know, physical activity and then, you know, work out the body and then work out the mind. Uh, and it's going pretty well. It's pretty neat. Oh yeah. I love that. I mean, I think that when people, you know, really study yoga, we find out that this is why the asana practice was created, right? Right. You, it is ancient times. We're like, oh, you must move your body and then still your mind. We've known this forever. And yet, here we are still trying to figure it out because humans are humans. So fun. Right. right. I think those two things going together is like a sort of the magic's happening. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Yeah. I'm hoping it catches on. I, I kind of like thinking, I've been thinking a lot recently about like, I don't know, inviting other instructors and in other markets to because I know there's some other um, instructors that, that work at SoulCycle who are also certified to teach meditation or know how to teach meditation. So I was thinking about, you know, making it grow. I don't know, leaning into that. I love that idea. So yeah. great. Yeah, doing soul and meditate all over the country because I think it's cool. And you know what? The other thing is like, I feel like as an employee of SoulCycle, I have been telling them forever that we need to incorporate more mindfulness at SoulCycle. And then you get to this place. I think anybody should do this. 
if people aren't listening to you, just do it yourself. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just like, Hey, I just said to the studio manager, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do soul and meditate. Can you put that on the schedule every Monday at six 30? Cause that's what I'm going to do now. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> like, great. Okay. And then yeah, but, they'll be like, why didn't you tell us about this? And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. And it's going well, so I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, it. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that you find poignant to tell us about, or anyone listening out there about, you know, how to connect to your inner self and, and the universe around you and, and knowing that we are all an integral part of, of what's happening and it's all happening in conjunction and together. I think that, I think that one of the things that can happen a lot for people is that they think they're making it up, right. When they get intuitive hits or they're like, I mean, I remember my, my oldest child the other day said to me, um, what if you're just making all this up and it's not true? And I was like, I don't know that it even really matters because it leads my life in a way that makes me happy, that helps me be successful, that allows me to have abundance beyond imaginable for me, and that we are able to have this incredible, peaceful life. And so it almost doesn't matter. And so I think that as we start into really integrating our intuition and hearing ourselves, that there will always be, or often in the beginning, there's this question of, am I making it up? Is this really true? And I just think to understand that your belief in something matters so much, especially in this arena. If you believe it, it will serve you for your whole life. And if you are always going to be in question for it, because you don't believe anything that you don't see, then you're, it's always going to be a struggle for you. So, and this is true for manifestation. This is true for energy work. This is true for, you know, spirituality in general. And so to allow your belief to be there, to actually encourage your belief and to be, have that be the thing that you work on almost as much as everything else. Wow. I love that. (laughs) I feel like I say that so much on this podcast, I swear, but I do. I love that. I love that. So, so, so holy. Um, yeah, just lean, lean into that, lean into your belief. Uh, whatever you believe to be true is your truth. Yeah. You might as well be something that serves you. Yeah. Plain and simple. I love it. Um, okay. So your, your final question today, which I ask all of my guests is what is the greatest piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Mm, Just to stay free. You know, I really feel like my whole life has really been how it is because I have never negotiated on my desires and on my freedom. And I am so grateful for that. And there are lots of times where you feel like you must fit into a box in order to succeed. And I'm so glad that I resisted all those places. So I guess I would just tell her, yeah, stay free, stay yourself. You're actually, it's all going to be great. (laughs) It's all going to be great. All right, Brianna Borton. Thank you so much for being on today. I think that's amazing, amazing advice. Stay free uh, and do not negotiate on your desires. I love that. That's like a mic drop moment. So thank you so much for being on and sharing all of your wisdom. I hope that those are listening, feel a little bit more connected to self and uh, ready to take their seat 
in the universe. I hope so too. Thank you for having me. That is a wrap on today's episode of the Very Best Self Podcast. You can find Brianna Borton on Instagram at Brianna Borton, B-R-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-T-E-N. Of course, give me a follow on Instagram at Victoria Brown and give the pod handle a follow at Very Best Self. Listen, you guys, if you loved this episode as much as I loved this conversation, please share it with someone you love, someone who is looking for a little bit of guidance um, and just know that when that person gets to the end of this episode, they are going to know that you sent it to them because you care about them. So that person cares about you and I want you to know that too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just felt really truly inspired by this conversation about being re-inspired that I don't need all of the answers and I don't know if you found some comfort in that too, but we don't need all of the answers. We just need to trust and allow to not resist and to keep pressing on uh, to the things that feel right and feel good. Uh, And so that's what I'll leave you with today. Give us five stars. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, please. And thank you. And uh, go ahead and leave us a review if you have a spare moment. I appreciate it. I'll see you next week. This is the Very Best Self Podcast. VB out. Love you, mean it. Bye.